You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2023 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. God is good and all the time. Psalm 100 verse 5, For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. God is always good. Psalm 145 verse 17, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and holy in all His works meaning God has never done anything wrong. God cannot do anything wrong. Let me personalize it as I give my testimony. God has never done anything wrong to me. All my blessings have come from God. All my problems I have brought, finish my words, on myself. And so I want to clear God's name of any wrongdoing in my life. He has never done me anything wrong. And I love God and I like him very much. And I will try to represent him through this message to the best of the abilities he has entrusted to me. And as you pray for me, I'm sure that will enable me to represent God more effectively. How are you? You look very nice. You look like nice people. Are you nice people? Say yes. All right. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. Where are my visitors who were here last night? Can I see your hands? Ah, ah. I mean, my non Seventh day Adventist visitors. Where are you? you? God bless you. God bless you. We had one in the balcony. He's not here tonight. God bless you now. Is there anyone tonight? You are not a Seventh day Adventist. You are with us for the first time. May I see your hand? First time, tonight, first time. Where? Where? Move your hands so I can see you. Ah, God bless you, God bless you. May the Lord shower his blessings upon you until you are soaked to your spiritual skin. Say amen for her. Amen. That was weak, say it again. Amen. Ah, that was good. They heard you online. Anybody else? First time. What's your name over my left? Yes, this one. Huh? Maya. Maya, God bless you. Say it with me. We love Maya. Come on, say it. We love Maya. Say it again. We love Maya. All right. I saw a hand over here. What's your name? Krista. Sounds like Christians. Krista, good to have you. May the Lord touch you in the areas of your greatest need. Come on, let's say, it. we love Krista. We love Krista. 
say it again. We love Krista, and we want her baptized. <laughs> Krista, we love you, so you must stay with us. Anybody else? First time, you're not a Seventh-day Adventist. Where are you? If the person is hiding, just do that. Where? 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 What's the person's name? Who? Rihanna. Oh, Brianna. Brianna, move your hand. Let me identify you. Where's Brianna? God bless you, Brianna. May the Lord stand by your side and protect you from all harm and danger. Come on. We love Brianna. We love Brianna. We want her baptized. Anybody else? Where? I see a whole flock of hands. I just want the hand of the visitor. Where? Ah, what's the name? What? Nick. St. Nick? All right. Nick, thank you for coming. If you have any aches or pains, may the Lord take them away completely. We love Nick. We love Nick. We want him baptized. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Well, if, you, if you're hiding, may the Lord bless you. Come back and stay with us. Fellowship with us. Because your presence improves the quality of the service. Can you say amen? Uh, Adventists love guests. Now, to my friends online. I suspect that's my camera to talk to the people online. Thank you for joining us. Those of you listening online, you're not Seventh-day Adventists. We reach our hands and we hug you to our bosom. Thank you. Thank you for joining this camp meeting. Wherever the cameras are, I want the cameras now on the audience. And we will wave to God's people online. Are the cameras ready? Come on, let's wave to those. Oh, look at those hands. God, look at those vegetarian hands. Wave. Wave to the... God bless our friends online. We love you. Thank you for joining us. God is good. Isn't God good? How many of you love God? Can I see your hand? Ah, ah, yes. Let's tell God, Father, I love you. Father, I love you. One more time. Father, I love you. One more time. Father, now as a family, Father, we love you. We love God. Thank you, Father. When I was a little boy and my mother would pray some time, she would go kisses to God. Because God had been so good to her. She's pure. And I know he received them right here. And so we send a kiss to God. We love him. Sometimes we treat him badly, but we're sorry. Am I right? Yes, we're sorry. We break his heart, but he still loves us. Because he's not willing that. Uh, who's a God like our God? And very often we come across that question. Micah 17, 7, 18. Who is a God? like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity Isaiah 40 verse 25 to whom then will he liken me or shall I be equal saith the Holy One the holiness of God is that God is different from everybody else just different and he wants a people who are different when God's people start looking like the world we have a problem our subject for tonight, no prisoners. What did I say? No prisoners. Before I get into the message, I always impose upon you. What's this? 
What's this? Okay. If you're not using this, turn it off. Are you with me? I'm not against technology, but uh, if you're not using it, turn it off. Mine is off. If you're using it, what should you do? Turn down the volume. Yes. Favor number two, while I'm speaking, pray for me and say, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth. God knows I mean that with all my heart and soul. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. I want God's words in my mouth tonight. My words cannot save you. They'll confuse you. The words of God will save your lives. Favor number three, think. You must, I am convinced, if more people would think, they would not attend the churches they attend. They look around and think, what am I doing? They would not date the people they date. Did I step on any toes? <laughs> if they would stop and think, what am I doing? Come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Let's pray. Father, your word is divine. I am dirt. So I need help. You sent me. I did not send myself. I want you to feel God the burden to help this weak man. If I've offended you, forgive me. Put your words in my mouth, dear God. The humility of Christ in my heart. And divine ideas in my mind. In the New Testament, Father, there were people possessed by demons to the extent the demons control their mouths and their feet and their hands. Tonight, I want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Have no control. Let the Spirit control. That you may be honored. Those in this building, blessed. Those online, blessed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go with me to 1 John chapter 3. We'll read verse 4. It is exactly, or almost exactly 8 o'clock. 1 John chapter 3, read verse 4. That's good, Seventh-day Adventists, you should not have to go there. Have you found it? If you have my version, the King James Version, you may read with me. Whosoever committeth sin, transgresseth also the law. Finish the verse. For sin is the transgression of the law. Now, write this reference down. Faith and works. Page 56, paragraph 1. What did I say? You sound like the Tower of Babel. Let's try that again. Faith and works. Page 56, paragraph 1. What did I say? Before I read that quotation, listen to the Bible again. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now, Faith and Works, page 56, paragraph 1. Now we want to understand what sin is, that it is the transgression of the law. Listen now, this is the only definition given in the Scriptures. The servant of the Lord informs us the transgression of God's law as a definition for sin 
is the only definition given in the scriptures. Now, let's go to Genesis 2. If I have preached 10 sermons in my life, in nine of them, I have begun at Genesis 2.16. Do you have it? Genesis chapter 2, reading from verse 16, our subject, no prisoners. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now we have the penalty for sin. First John chapter 3 verse 4 gave us the definition of sin. We are introduced to the penalty for sin, which is death. If that's clear, say amen. Let's take a look at the reliability with which this penalty is imposed. Let's go to Genesis 5. We read from verse 3. Our subject, no prisoners. The long version of our subject really is, the law takes no prisoners. But I shortened it to, no prisoners. Now, Genesis 5, reading from verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own image after his likeness and called his name Seth. And days of Adam after he begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. Finish the verse. Why did he die? Because the law takes no prisoners. In the battle with God's law, there are no prisoners of war. You are, you've got to die. Verse 6. And Seth lived... 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 107 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years. Finish the verse. And he died. Why? Because the law takes no prisoners. The penalty for breaking God's law is death. And that penalty has never been canceled. You may say, wait a minute. But hold on to your wait a minute. Are you with me? Let us go to Exodus 32. Exodus 32, reading from verse 31. This is the chapter in which the Israelites worshipped the golden calf, led by Brother Aaron himself. What book did I say? What chapter? Let me pray again. Father, be with me, be with me, be with me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin, and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book that thou hast written. And the Lord said unto him, Whosoever have sinned against me. Finish the verse. Him, come on, will I blot out of my book, you may say, what does that have to do with sin and death? Everything. Let's understand what is meant by blotting out of God's book. Go to Revelation 20, as quickly as you can. From Genesis to Revelation, our subject, no prisoners. The time, five after eight. Are you in Revelation? 
chapter 20, yes, verses 14 and 15. Don't tell me someone is still trying to find revelation. Do we have it? Read with me if you have my version. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Come on. This is the second death. Now, read verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So when God said, whosoever has sinned against me, him will I cast out of my book. What is God saying? Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I destroy or he will die. Why? Because the law takes no prisoners. You break it, finish my words, you die. Let's go to Romans 5. You must see this is mentioned all through the Bible. Romans 5. You can probably guess the verse I'm going to. Who can guess it? Come on, Romans 5. What verse am I going to? No one? Not one? Someone said 12. God bless you in a very special way. Verse 12. Are you there? Read with me. With, what does that say for? Wherefore, as by one man, come on, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Stop. Death how? By sin. You see, sin has death in it. Where there is sin, there's death. One man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Look at verse 21 of Romans 5. That as sin hath reigned unto what? Death. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Sin reigns unto death. Well, Romans 6. And I have to bombard you with biblical proof that the wages of sin is death. So you have no doubt. I need to do that before I get to the next part of the message. What book did I say? What chapter? Verse 16. No, 20, 16 first, yeah. God bless you for jumping ahead of the preacher. But 16 first, then we'll get to 23. God bless you, my lovely sister. All right. Verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Carefully now, whether of, unto, or of obedience unto, yes, yeah, so sin unto death. What is sin? Quickly. Transgression of the law. Now, we go to the sister's verse. Verse 23. What is that? Don't look at the Bible. Come on. Say verse 23 for me. What does it say? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. When you mess with God's law, you are committing Suicide, yes. No, this is no joke. You are committing suicide. What's the subject? No prisoners. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 17 and 18. John the Revelator 
he sees this figure in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, feet like brass, voice like the many waters, face shining like the, the sun in its strength. And when I saw him, verse 17, I fell at his feet as dead. Verse 17, Revelation 1, and he laid his right hand, the right hand of God symbolizes this power. Are you with me? When the angel appeared to Zacharias in the temple, Luke 1, he stood on the right side. When the disciples could not find any fish, Jesus said, cast your nets where? On the right side. Where is Jesus seated now? On the right. It's not that the left side is weak, don't misunderstand me, but the right side is given as the side of power. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And when I saw him, verse 17, Revelation 1, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am what? The first and the last. Keep reading. I am he that, and was, mm-hmm. Who is that? What does Jesus say he was? Dead. Now follow me closely. What's the only reason why people die? Give me one word. Sin. I know I just pray. I need to pray again. Father, as I present this sensitive portion, possess my mind and the minds of those listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why do people die? Speak with confidence. Why did Jesus die? Sin. Ah, thank you so much. <laughs> you want to make sure this preacher doesn't stumble and fall. Now, for whose sins did he die? But he took them as though they were? Mm-hmm. You know why Jesus had to die? What's our title? Because the law takes no prisoners, including Jesus. He never sinned. Never sin once, but because he took our sin, he had to die like a sinner. He was numbered with the transgressors, but he never transgressed. But he died like a Prepare yourself for some good news. Take a deep breath. Hold on to your seatbelts. Jesus took our sins into him that he might die. So that we might have an opportunity to take his righteousness into us that we might live. That man was weak. I'm not coming back to this camp meeting. I'm going to North Korea. <laughs> Let me try it again. Jesus took our sins into him as if they were his. That he might die. We are to take his righteousness by faith as though it is ours that we might live. God bless you. I hope my online people are saying amen. Yes. The equation must be balanced. I'm taking your sin as mine. That you might take my righteousness as yours. Why did the Son of God have to die? Because the law, come on, tell me, takes no prisoners, including Jesus. You chose to take people's sins, you have to be treated like a sinner. You have to die. We're Seventh-day Adventists. 
What's the message God has entrusted to us? Come on, somebody tell me quickly. The three, where's that found? Let's go there now. Revelation 14, as you're looking for Revelation 14, our subject, no prisoners. Do you have Revelation 14? How many messages are there? Is there another one? Which one? The one in Revelation 18, which is an expansion of message 3, really, under the full blast of the latter rain. But let's stick with Revelation 14. Let's go to verse 9, the third angel's message. Are you there? Read with me if you have my version. And the third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark upon his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Stop. Let's look at that. If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. That person, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. What does without mixture mean? Without mercy, which means this will be the first time God has ever punished without one molecule of mercy. Why will he do that? Look at the wording again. And the third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Now, we need to take a look at the wrath of God. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Let's look at the wrath of God. To help us understand Revelation 14, 9 to 11. What book did I say? What chapter? Let's read verse 6. We read this passage last night, I believe. It is 8.15. When you found it, say amen. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Read with me now. For because of these things cometh what? The wrath of God continue upon the children of... Yes. Now, what are these things? Look at verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For, for this you know that no homonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, because of these things, Cometh what? Come on, look at the verse. Cometh what? The wrath of God upon whom? The children of disobedience. Now, there's only one thing you and I can disobey. What's that? The law of God. Because it is the whole duty of man. Now, keeping this in mind, the wrath of God is only poured out upon the disobedient. Let us go back to Revelation 14. Let's pick it up from verse 9. We'll go to 10, our subject, no prisoners. You're supposed to tell me, slow down, you're not doing that. I thought you liked me a little bit. You obviously don't. For those of you who like me, say, slow down. 
I will be so glad. My online friends say, say slow down, and I will receive that rebuke by faith. Revelation 14 from verse 9, And the third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Now, upon whom is the wrath of God poured out? Where did you learn that? Ephesians 5, come on. Verse 6. That's where you learn that. So we know, therefore, that the people mentioned in Revelation 14.10 are being punished because they've done what? Disobeyed, come on. The law, yes. Now, what's our subject? No prison. The law is so serious that when probation closes and God pours out his wrath, there will be no mercy. Now, was there a previous occasion when the world was destroyed? Yes or no? When? The flood. Here is what the servant of the Lord says about that flood. Listen very carefully. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 108, paragraph 1. What did I say? Listen carefully. And upon those countries that were not inhabited, and those where the crime had been leased, the curse rested more lightly. Let me explain that. You look confused. When the flood came, the world was destroyed. But Elamite is saying, the destruction varied from place to place based on how much sin was committed in that place. That's mercy. And so she said, upon countries that were not inhabited, and those where this, this crime had been the least, the curse rested more lightly. So that's some form of mercy. Are you with me? But when probation closes, there will be no such thing as the curse resting lightly. Because the law takes no prisoners. You have to die. But Jesus came to suffer what you and I should suffer. You keep hearing the law takes no prisoners. You may say, but if Christ died for me, I have escaped. Yes, you have escaped. But the law still says, you go. But someone has to die for what you did. You know what I said? Let me say it differently. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But where do those sins go? On Jesus. And so the law still takes no prisoners. Because Jesus is the second Adam. As the first Adam caused problems, brought death, the second Adam brings life by suffering death. Yes, sister. Christ came to die. Because if he hadn't done that, you and I would have to die for our own sins. 
And what Christ suffered on the cross and in Gethsemane is what the sinner will suffer who has not given his life to Jesus Christ. Now, if the law takes no prisoners, we ought to look at the law of God a little more closely. What kind of a law is that? That takes no prisoners. Father in heaven, as I continue, give me simple language, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to Romans chapter 7. We read verse 12. You have Romans 7, verse 12. And you found it, say amen. What does that say? Wherefore the law is and the commandment holy, just, and good. We know the Bible says there's none good but God, meaning Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then if the law is good, the law is not a, div a human product. The law is a divine product, if I may use the word product. It's not human. It's divine. It is holy. It is just. It is good. Verse 14 tells us it is spiritual. Psalm 19 verse 7, the law of the God is perfect. This is the law that takes no prisoners. Because the law is an expression of what? The very character of God. Also when David sinned and he confessed his sin in Psalm 51, he said, Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Transgression of the law is a personal offense against God. When Potiphar's wife made a move on brother Joseph, Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? Come on, correct me quickly. What did he say? How can I do this great thing and sin against God? Because sin is an offense against God. Which means that you cannot set the law, cannot separate the law from God. What did I just say? You cannot separate the law from God. Keeping this in mind, listen to this reference, Christ Triumphant, page 339, paragraph 2. Let me say it again. Christ Triumphant, page 339, paragraph 2. What did I say? Listen carefully. Christ came to our world to represent the character of God as it is represented in his holy law. For his law is a transcript of his character. Catch this now. Christ was both the law and the gospel. You didn't hear what I said. Christ was the law and the gospel. This can be easily demonstrated. We are a people of the sanctuary, am I right? Yes. The candlestick represented whom? Don't hesitate, come on. Jesus, who is the light of the world? The shoe bread represented whom? The, uh, isn't Jesus the word? Yes. The oath of incense. The righteousness of Christ, the merits of his righteousness. The altar sacrifice in the courtyard, Calvary, Jesus. 
The woman at the well, Jesus said, If thou knew the gift of God, and who it is that asked of thee water, thou shouldest ask of him, he would have given thee living water, which is his own life. The liver, Christ and the Spirit. The white fence around the tabernacle represented whom? Christ. The animal that came represented whom? Christ. The priest represented whom? Christ. Now, let's reason together. If the animal can represent Christ, and the candlestick can represent Christ, and the shoebread can represent Christ, and the altar of incense represents Christ, and the priest represents Christ, and the altar and the laver represents Christ, what does the law represent? Christ! Christ is the law. He is also life. And so to sin against him is to sin against life. And the only alternative is death. And our subject is no prisons. When you break the Sabbath, you've offended, tell me, Christ, not the Seventh-day Adventist Church. They did not invent the Fourth Commandment. They also break it. Don't say amen. Christ is the law. Christ is the gospel. This law is an expression of divinity. Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. You know why grace was made necessary? Because the law was broken. Let me tell you a little secret. You may spread it around. The unfallen angels in heaven do not know anything about grace. You know why? They've never sinned. Grace is for sinners. But grace became necessary. Why? Because the law was broken. You cannot divorce grace from the law. You cannot separate the law from Jesus Christ. He is the law. If he is righteousness, he is the law. Why? The Bible says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Psalm 119 verse 172. If the commandment is righteousness, and Jeremiah 23 verse 6 tells us, The Lord, our righteousness, Jesus is the law. Which means an obedient person is living like Jesus. Come on, say amen. Mm -hmm. By the power of Jesus Christ. What's our subject? No prisoners. That doesn't mean God is merciless. It means God has a standard he cannot set aside. And the highest proof that the law of God is divine is the fact that his son had to die to pay that penalty. So when people trifle with God's law, they do not understand what they're doing. The angel Gabriel could not die for sin because the law's sacredness and righteousness exceeded Gabriel. Gabriel is a created being. And the law of God is as sacred as God himself. 
Consequently, someone equal with God had to come and die because the law takes, come on, no prisoners. By listening, friends, in the building and online, sin as a lifestyle is the same as saying suicide is a lifestyle. If Adam had just obeyed the law, you and I would not be where we are today. I try to present to you the seriousness of the law of God. You obey it and live. You disobey it and die. Let me add this quickly. You can only obey it by the presence of God within you. You know why? You and I are human. No human being can obey a divine law unaided. That aid is the very life of Jesus Christ because he is the living law, you see. When Christ writes the law on our hearts, it's because he has come to our hearts. He doesn't write those words and walk away. He is the written word on our hearts. So when God told, when Christ told the Satan, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, he does that by writing the law on our hearts, which is he himself. Because he is the word. That's all he writes. He does not write the church manual. But don't get rid of yours. He does not write your textbook, but study it. He does not write the Encyclopedia Britannica or Encyclopedia Americana. He only writes the law of God. Because that's the only standard by which God judges any created being, human or angels. And you and I can appreciate God's law because the violation of that law led God to exercise something created beings had never seen before. And that thing was grace. And so by grace are ye saved. Saved from what? Violating the law of God. My brothers and sisters, I present you tonight God's law. This is not legalism. It's not legalism. Let me tell you something else about the law of God, how close it is to the gospel. It is the application of the principles of God's law to the conscience that convicts. Because the only way you and I can be convicted of wrong is that there is a standard. Are you with me? And so I realize I am wrong. How do you know you're wrong? Because the law says that. The Spirit of God, who wrote the law, by the way, takes the law, applies it to the inner man, and produces conviction. Remove the law, there is no conviction. When the person realizes I'm a sinner, the law in its own way says, good, there's hope for you, go to him. Who's him? Jesus. Remove the law, no one will feel the urge to go to Christ. Because there will be no conviction. The law of God. And Jesus is the law that points you to the gospel. When you come to the law, you see Christ standing in the law. You go to the gospel, you see Jesus. Because he was both the law, come on, and the gospel. The law of God. God's law 
takes no prisoners. Jesus experienced that firsthand. But if we go back to Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive. Why? Forevermore. Because when Jesus died as a sinner who never sinned, he died, his soul, his character was still uncorrupted. It's 8.33. Can I go to 8.45? Say yes. All right. Let me explain why. Let me pray again. Father, I humble myself before you. Speak through me, please. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go to Mark 7 as quickly as you can. I don't want to go too long. Mark 7. You have Mark 7. We read 20 and onward. Mark 7, 20 and onward. When you find that, say amen. If you have my version, read with me. And he said, that which cometh out of a man, that defileth the man. Stop. Now read that again, microscopically, quietly. You have five seconds. Well, ten. Read it. And concentrate. Let no one distract you. Concentrate. Look at what you're reading. That which cometh, what? Out of the man, that defileth the man. Now, let me flip that coin. You are not defiled by what comes. That's right. You are defiled by what goes out. Go to verse 21. Read with me. For from within, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from where? Within. Stop. And defile the man. Listen to me carefully. My friends online, listen. You are not defiled spiritually by what comes in. You are defiled, finish my words, by what goes out. No. Did Jesus commit any sins? Yes or no? No. Did any sin go out of Jesus? No. How did sins come to Jesus? From the outside, come on. So he remained undefiled. Ah, you're not with me. It's my fault. Somebody said, we got it. Two people said so. Listen to me again. Not to me. Listen to the Bible. Verse 20, Mark 7. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, finish it. Mm -hmm. If that's clear from the Bible, say amen. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Now, for from within, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, Adulteries, fornications, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil lie, pride, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. Defilement flows from the inside out. Jesus took sins from the outside in. 
so he could take our sins and personally remain sinless, pure, undefiled. Now, go to 2 Corinthians 5. Quickly. You're too slow. Oh, <laughs> that's a handsome man who said, slow down. I like handsome men. They remind me of myself. All right. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. <laughs> Do you have that? It's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. And I wish all my King James people would read with me. God hath made him to be sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. You have that? Who did? No sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our subject. No prisons. Listen carefully. God, you see the word made used twice. Yes or no? Mm -hmm. Christ had to be made sin. Because he didn't make himself sin. Are you with me? The sins were placed on him. He was made sin. Who did no sin? That's one side of the equation. This is necessary to understand the second half. That we might be made. Because we can't make ourselves. The righteousness of God in him. The same way Christ was made a sinner. Though he had no sin of his own. It's the same way we are made righteous. Though we have no righteousness of our own. Without that transaction, you and I are dead. Because the law takes no prisoners. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. You see, Christ took sins into him. They did not flow out of him, so he remained undefiled. We take righteousness into us. It does not flow out. Why do I feel all alone? Are my friends in the back? Are you following me? If you're sleeping, say amen. Listen again, then I'll close. Maybe I've gone too long. Okay, sister, God bless you. Listen to me. Describe Christ in one word. Sinless. Are you with me? Is that clear enough? Sinless. Now, describe us in one word. Sinful. Mm -hmm. My online friends, are you following? Jesus, sinless. You and I, sinful. And put full in capital letters. There's a gulf between us and Christ. Christ reaches over and takes our sin. But it goes from the outside in. So he remains undefiled. The sins he bears are not his by commission. It is his by imputation. If you can use that word, imputed to him. Now, we are now called upon, reach over and take his righteousness from the outside in. Because all our righteousness are like faith right. There's no righteousness from us that goes from the inside out. It has to be the righteousness of Christ from the outside in because we have none of ourselves. 
And that righteousness is the life of Christ. When we take it in, then we can say like Paul, say it with me, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Stop. That's it. The same way our sins lived in Jesus, the Bible says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body, 1 Peter 2.24. He took our sins into him. They weren't just a coat. He took them into him and remain undefiled. We are to take his righteousness into us. When I say we take it, we accept it by faith. You can't go take the righteousness of Christ. You say, Father, thank you for that sacrifice. I accept it by faith. And the practical expression that Christ dwells in you and me is obedience to the law of God. And we know that law takes, come on, no prisoners. How many of you will say with me, Father, thank you for the law. It is Christ. Thank you he took my sins. I thank you his righteousness is mine through faith in his sacrifice. Keep me faithful one day at a time. How many will say that with me? Ah, stand up with me. Which of you standing where you are, listen carefully, you have not yet made a decision to be baptized. Can I see your hands? Ah, God bless you for your boldness. I appreciate that. God bless you. Anyone else? You've not yet made a decision to be baptized. Raise your hand. Move it so I can see. You know you ought to make it. I want to talk to you. I won't call you. Don't panic. Right where you stand, tell God, Father, I need to make this decision. The Bible says people who are baptized are baptized into Christ. For those of you online, you need to make a decision to be baptized, make it. There may be someone listening online, you've been following the messages from this program, other programs. You've been touched by the teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Go to one nearby and tell the pastor you'd like to join. Mm -hmm. Tell him that. See how happy he is. I thank God for the law. Can you say Amen. I thank God for the arrangement only God could develop that someone sinless can carry our sins and remain sinless. And made it possible for me to live his righteous life. I, who could never produce righteousness. I thank God for that swap, that exchange. I thank God when I go to the law, I see Christ. I thank God when I go to the gospel, come on, tell me, I see Christ. And I thank God there's a law that takes, come on, no prisoners because God has a standard that is high. And a high standard from a parent is a mark of respect for this child. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Dear God, we thank you for your law. It expresses your very character. Your servant tells us the law of God is as sacred as God himself. Now, Father, Forgive us if we have undervalued your law. Forgive us where we have violated your law, dear God. And renew the writing of the law upon our hearts because that writing is the very life of Christ.
Ah, Father, increase our appetite for the things above and remove our desires for the things of this world. Bless us in this building. Bless your people online, dear Father. Wherever this message is being listened to, bless them. Save us, God. Until then, keep us faithful even unto death. In Jesus' name I pray, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Good night. Dream of Jesus. We'll see you tomorrow. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2023 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.